There's just so much more to hear. Download our podcasts at DubaiEye1038.com. Legal Hour on Drive Live. Where we are now for the next uh, 40 minutes, slightly under an hour today. We're going to be talking essentially about property when we get to it. However, Ludmilla, let me ask you about this. Um... Not a proclamation, not a declaration, but you've had some news from the Land Department today. This is interesting. Indeed, and let me just give you a little bit of background because it still surprises me how few people actually know about this. And this pertains to Dubai and in particular the ability of property owners to apply for UAE residence visa. And this UAE residence visa that's based or linked to the ownership of real estate is different from what many believe is a six-month entry permit. Uh, so those two things are very different. In fact, uh, and this is only this only in Dubai, but in, in Dubai it is possible for those who own properties that meet certain requirements or specifications uh, to uh, uh, to apply for UAE residence visa. And so there's it's been around for about three years now and, and every so often there is if you are resourceful enough the, you can find a list of the requirements uh, to apply including the fees that are applicable uh, for uh, for this sort of visa and it's called uh, yeah, to, for all intents purposes it's it's the you sort of the old Dubai version of investor visa except it's not called an investor visa because it's sort of linked more to the company's laws and you ultimately have a license uh, from DED to to own property so it's like an investment license and it's on the back of that investment license that you apply for a visa. So that um, uh, so th- that list is every so often becomes available. But um, uh, it also, as we learned today, uh, occasionally gets amended, and it's not always um, uh, it's not always publicly available or announced to the public what amendments are applicable. So what we realized today and and uh, was that only certain kind of properties are. Um, are subject to uh, UAE visa residents for the purposes of just you know, investor vi- investor visa, and that is these properties actually must be purchased. Uh, so any properties that are transferred as gift or even inherited by way of obviously uh, inheritance, um, they do not qualify for this residence visa or this investor visa. And this is quite interesting because the previous regulations, and they have been circulated for the last several years, they never had that limitation. And we just happened to find out about it today in the context of, our, of, of an active matter that we're working on. And um, as, as we pressed in terms of that particular requirement, we were given a new list of the requirements. And that's the only different uh, new requirement that now appears on the list, and that is that any properties that are that are transferred as gift or by inheritance, or actually it doesn't really say anything about the inheritance, but apparently, according to the land department representatives, it will also include those properties because they would fall in general terms uh, as gift. And that means, so for example, let's say if a father owns property and then he transfers it over to his son, and the son wants to apply for an investor visa uh, linked to this property, he will not be able to do so because he's ultimately inherited this property by way of gift versus um, by way of purchase. Um, so this is a new requirement and um, it would kind of struck us by surprise as well because we had um, been quite actively pursuing this very matter and, and it was not really brought to our attention until we actually showed up uh, to, to apply. So just thought it'd be valuable for the listeners to hear uh, because it is a new limitation that's now built in. It's interesting. Uh, so this is just this is kind of taking you. It's caught you unawares, I suppose. This is something of a surprise. Indeed, yes, and um, it as 
a lot of these things happened. There was no public announcement right. um, that the change was coming. And um, so my, I guess, advice and lesson to, to, uh, to self and advice to listeners is just whenever you go down any sort of path, and this is a constant reminder and the lesson that we continue to follow, uh, but every so often things like this happen, that it's just before you don't go down any particular path, just make sure that you've reconfirmed all the requirements uh, at that point in time. And this may sound like a bit of an overkill, but we see these kinds of uh, amendments, if you will, or changes to certain practices quite regularly. And this is to be expected because the UAE is a very is an evolving jurisdiction, a very rapidly evolving jurisdiction and economy. And so, therefore, changes do happen quite regularly, which are great because they're sort of in 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 response to the growth and the development of the country as a whole. But as a result, just make sure to always keep an eye on the potential changes in the regulations because they're happening all the time. So your advice is to sort of keep current or maybe get yourself a great lawyer who will keep current and do the job for you. But there are two questions we just had on that very topic that obviously Nick is listening to and saying, what if you sell and buy another property? Is that considered a purchase? So, you know, they don't want to fall foul of this rule. If you if you sell one and buy another one, do you still get the visa? Yes, so that would not qualify as a gift. And uh, let me explain, even though it's not really in the in these regulations, so to speak, but the logic behind why we speculate that there is this exclusion, and that is because when you do when you transfer property, when you inherit a per- property as a gift, it, you are s- that particular property that transfer is subject to what's called a gift tax. So, which is different from the typical four percent registration fee, and that is zero point two five percent, which is quite you know, quite insignificant in relative terms compared to the 4% that is otherwise applicable. So let's say, go back to my uh, my example of the transaction between fa- uh, father and son. Had the son actually bought that property, he would have paid to the government 4% because it would have been considered as an actual purchase. But because of this father and son relationship, and they that particular transaction was subject to a gift uh, a gift rate uh, or, uh, or a gift tax, uh, which is only 0.2.5%, and and it's because of that we think that now the government is trying to close what perhaps has become a loophole for many to uh, to avoid paying the four percent just to benefit from the four uh, f- uh, from this investor visa. So I think that might answer Clinton's question, which is: Is it simply a matter then to sell the property to your son from a nominal? amount and then that gets around the fact that it's the higher rate of tax that you would pay therefore hopefully keeping the visa. Uh, great question They're very resourceful uh, and creative questions and I, I like that. Uh, so in this case uh, in theory yes in practice it doesn't work like that because even if you sell something at a nominal amount which would that that amount would uh, in theory be subject to the four percent which if you're putting it a, a dirham you know four percent of a dirham is is a very nominal amount however uh, the land department will always uh, uh, will always uh, appoint or assign its own value on the property so you can just and then again this practice was developed years ago uh, where the land department wanted to make sure the parties will not you would not basically try to avoid paying the actual uh, the registration fee on the actual market value if you will by having these sort of side agreements and and redu- reducing the actual purchase value of the property, and even now when you apply for if you're if you're trying to transfer property under this gift scheme, uh, then w- was one of the conditions of doing so is that you need to have an evaluation certificate or an eva- evaluation done on your property, uh, an evaluation certificate as part of the application, which means then 
and then the government sends its own inspectors who or will at least use their own data uh, to assess the uh, the value of the property at that point in time. So it, even if contractually between you, me and you, Natalie, we have a one dirham contractual value, the land department will allow us, for example, to only use that value. I mean, it probably should not be unreasonable, but it will use the 4% of the market value as it has its, in its records. But okay. then, uh, sorry, then you would be entitled to a visa. Indeed, but if if a property is worth, remember, the visa is only applicable for properties that are valued at least one million dirhams. So if you, so you, you, nothing else would qualify, and so therefore, if the value, the value would have to be at least one million, and four percent of one million, we can all calculate. It's still in many ways, in many cases, maybe more uh, uh, commercially reasonable and interesting for parties to do that than perhaps setting up a, a company just for the purposes of, of having a visa or some other alternatives, but it's, you know, it's a lot more expensive than if you just pay the 0.2%. Per, uh, percent. It's quite a lot of questions on on that in particular, Ludman. You've clearly struck a chord with people who are thinking about these kinds of options. We do have um, the news now with Emma, but after that, we'll get to some of these questions because I think so many people, you know, you've just talked about that. I don't even know if we're going to get time to the rest of the mortgage stuff because I think people are interested to find out, well, how will this work for me? All right, we'll come back to that in a moment. It's the legal hour, or slightly less than the legal hour today. Ludmilla Yamalava is here. Legal hour on Drive Live. So, Ludmilla, we have lots of questions on this topic. We, I don't even think mortgages are going to come into it because <laughs> people are really, really interested in this. We have um, one question, no name on it. They're asking, what if the transfer of a property was between an individual or and then a company which also happened to be owned by the individual? Would that qualify as a transaction? A very good question. And actually, it can work both ways. So... Uh, one scenario is where a property is owned by a company, let's, let's say a UAE-based company, uh, and but that company is owned 100% by an individual. And now that individual wants to transfer the property away from the company I- into his or her own uh, personal name. And so that's one scenario. The other scenario is the other way around. So let's say a property is owned by an individual and he or she wants to transfer it to, uh, to their company that is owned 100% by them. Uh, so until recently, that particular transaction, not until recently, until about perhaps three years ago. So that transaction would also qualify uh, under this gift tax and would only be subject, and I misspoke earlier, it's it's 0.125%. So to that gift tax or that gift fee. Uh, And then just like we're talking about the changes today, uh, another change took place uh, within the um, the authorities sort of unannounced where a similar thing happened where they disallowed for that kind of transfer. Uh, uh, in other words, you could do the transfer, but it would have to be an arm's length uh, transfer that would be subject to the typical 4% and excluded it from the gift transfer uh, system. Now, and then just like that new change uh, came up, uh, I think a few years later, it was again, it was sort of the, the authorities did away with that change and it is now uh, currently possible once again to transfer property. So let's say if there's a property that's owned by a company and um, that but the company's owned by, by an individual, it is possible to to transfer the property in the name of that individual. However, and vice versa, if it's from an individual to a company. But what's very important is that the ownership must always be the same. So for example, let's say the company, Tim and I own the company, if, and I have 30%, he has 70%. And now we want, uh, and that company owns the property, and now we want to transfer the property in our names. Uh, now we can only transfer it in those uh, in those ratios, and that is 70-30. So we cannot change the ratios. Otherwise, that 
particular share would also be subject to the 4%. Uh, but otherwise, that transaction until further notice is now still subject to the 4%. No, not 4%, the gift the f- gift uh, tax. Okay. I was just enjoying having the lion's share of the company and the, the property. I know. I was, I, was, I, was sort of d- oh. I was pondering how I should do the ratios, <laughs> but I figured I'll give you the lion's share to, to make you feel like a lion. That was the right decision. Um, can I ask this? This was a text in earlier. Can you work on an investor visa if you have one of those? Great visas? question. No. The right. answer is no. But it's interesting because it is, it's, it's a very unique in that way residence visa because it is, for all other intents and purposes, is a residence visa. Uh, so unlike for example, what I mentioned earlier was uh, uh, the entry permit that kind of allowed you, that was linked to property ownership, but it was only an entry permit. It didn't really have to give you the benefits that come usually with the residence with the residency. Uh, this visa is a proper UAE residence visa, so therefore you can have a bank account, you can buy a car, you can rent properties, and you can apply to for banks and mortgages and so on and so forth. The only thing you cannot do is you can even sponsor uh, dependents. You can sponsor staff. You can sponsor family. You can sponsor whoever. But the only thing you cannot do is you cannot work. Interesting. So, no. There's a couple of ones I think we can fire through really quickly, actually. Um, Abdullah's texted. I think you've answered this already. Is there a minimum value of the property to be eligible? It's $1 million, Is that correct? Correct. Yes, $1 million. Yeah. And um, can you have the visa if the property is mortgaged? Yes, you can. But the property has to be paid at least. The mortgage has to be paid at least 50% of the value of the property. So, okay. And then also what's, what's important to highlight is that a lot of the time questions come up as to, well, how do you determine the value? So the original value was 1 million dirhams. Uh, what is, is that the value that, that is used today uh, versus uh, some other value? And so the, the test is, or I guess the uh, process right now is that the land department determines what the current market value is. And one of the listeners also asked you what happens if the, the property value keeps sliding. Uh, and I'll tell you from experience, because we've done a number of these, it, it's not, it's, that's what seems to happen by now because the land department has done enough of these property transfers that they have their own database of uh, of values, of property values, and they tend to use what they have already in their database as the value. So it's not like that they, every month or every day or every week, they go and they reassess the value of the property. They tend to use whatever is in their database. And we'll also... We've had requests and we had a case where the the investor believed that the property is worth more than what the valuation certificate came back with and we appealed to the land department but actually in that case it wasn't it wasn't successful. So you just kinda have to manage your expectations. So if when you bought the property it was at a million dirhams, you just need to to I mean depending on obviously when you bought it, you need to manage your expectations that it may be that it's valued less today. Okay, so what the land department says goes in legal terms, I guess. Indeed, that, yes. Okay. I mean, there there are ways of, of repealing certain decisions, and that happened to us before where w- this very uh, change that I just described where the land department stopped allowing for transfer between properties, uh, individuals and companies, even though they're owned by the same person. At that point, it wasn't announced anywhere. It wasn't advertised anywhere, and we had already paid for the for the valuation certificate, which is 5,000 dirhams. It's, it's not insignificant for a lot of people, and so and uh, in that case, case the client wanted uh, wanted us to try to see if they could get a refund on the ba- on the basis of the fact that this was kind of a new change so uh, these kinds of applications every so often as long as they're reasonable um, then they they can be successful but otherwise they are the authority they're the government so they have the final say Ryan's got an interesting question he's sexed in with. He says, I have a property and as per my will, the same will be transferred to my daughter in case of my death. So as per this new law, can she not stay in the country if she 
basically, could she not stay in the country because she wouldn't have a visa? Is that correct? Correct. And I think what Ryan is trying to say is that, well, if the, his daughter inherits the property, obviously she has a place to live and she has an asset that would otherwise qualify uh, for a residence visa. But uh, so... It's, let me clarify. So here, actually, it's possible that she would have, uh, presumably, the, Ryan's question is based on the fact that, on the presumption that the daughter will not have a job. Uh, so it is possible for her to have a visa, but it just, will, you'll, they'll have to restructure the transaction where she'd have to pay the 4%. Um, so it seems to be linked more just the gift, you know, to the gift percent or gift rate versus your typical 4% rate. So if you structure it more as, uh, or I guess at that point, if she pays the 4% to the government, I mean, it's theoretically, it's possible that they will, uh, will reclassify uh, that particular uh, ownership from, as, as from, from gift to purchase. Uh, but there's nothing in the regulations right now to kind of help us um, guide us through this but logically speaking that's really where we think the limitation comes from so as long as you can offer the, you know, I guess evidence that this is not um, a loophole of sorts it's possible that the government w- will reconsider one and two just like there was a change before in the in the application of the gift tax between companies and individuals that change may happen in this case as well and I guess to expedite that you need a DIFC will to make sure that everything is signed here in the UAE and that translates in court here because that would be the situation. Uh, right, uh, but it doesn't, it, it's, to be honest with you, because we've recently gone through a few of these um, uh, sort of estate of, or disposition of, of a state mm. or management of estates and traditionally, and it's, it's been, and it's probably substantiated by many years of, of, of experience, going through a local court or having to deal with inheritance through a local court uh, in the absence of a will is just a lot more complicated because there is a question of Sharia versus the potential jurisdiction of the uh, beneficiaries and such uh, than the DIFC court. So the DIFC in particular as it it relates to property. Um, However, it is having gone through the local courts recently, uh, it's uh, it's not necessarily so. Um, The local courts um, can also, because they do so many of these kind of transfers and they can be quite efficient, uh, the question, and they are actually, uh, from our experience, are a lot more efficient than so far. The DFC courts have been uh, in these uh, similar matters, and it's just probably by virtue of just you, one is much more experienced than, than the other. Uh, but um, the the issue can come up when uh, when the courts want to apply want to apply Sharia to the property, uh, the real estate assets, um, and the beneficiaries do not want Sharia to apply because, uh, and this is just quite complex but in general because any kind of inheritance issues go to the family court and the family court by definition a sharia court here and by definition sharia judges will apply sharia law to whatever issues they deal with so therefore if there is any if there's a will or even an absence of a will by default they would apply sharia however by it's very and that's something so brace yourself because it is quite nuanced and complicated however sharia also by very definition only applies to muslims so if you're not a muslim how can you have sharia applied to you if you're not a muslim so mm. if you take that decision all the way up to the court of cassation the court of cassation has clearly stated that in fact beneficiaries have the choice uh, and this is under the ue constitution have the choice of choosing or of choosing whatever the laws of their respective countries uh, to apply instead of the sharia so it's a bit of a lengthy process because you still kind of need to go back and forth from the lower court courts up to the uh, higher courts and then back down but it's but it's certainly possible and exactly with uh, because of that reason that the DIFC was in probate uh, was established to kind of avoid um, that uncertainty and the delays that happen as a result.
Okay, we have quite a few people concerned about whether this applies retrospectively. We'll just take a quick break and we'll get your answer on that then. Legal Hour on Drive Live. I, yeah, we were just talking about Game of Thrones there. There's a big Game of Thrones thing. Can we say what this is? No, I don't think we can. We can't say what this is. Okay, so. (laughs) No, I heard Malcolm was talking about it there. Game of Thrones, Game of Thrones. Listen out tomorrow because there is an event happening. That's all I can say. Yeah, was say that, no that, more. I, I got away with Stop it, while you're ahead. Right, okay. Or marginally on the same level. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks very much. Lots of questions in today, NLT. Where do you want to start here for yeah. Ludmilla? Well, there's quite a bit of concern. We're trying not to panic everyone. We're just trying to give you a bit of information. Jackie has asked a question not too dissimilar to Farouk's question. Basically, they're asking... Um, Again, if the property's current market value is less than a million, but the original purchase price was over one million on the title deed, will this situation prevent them getting the residency visa? Uh, Yes, it will prevent because the value that's used is the current market value as determined by the land department. Okay, and another question um, was, will this now apply um, retrospectively? So my wife was gifted a property by her father a year ago. Um, What kind of position does that leave her in now? Yes, and that's exactly the situation we found ourselves in as well, is that the property we were trying to um, use uh, for the purposes of this investor visa had been transferred previously, but it doesn't matter. It's uh, the authorities look at what um, uh, the designation on the title. And so when the property is transferred by as as a gift, the title deed will clearly reflect that it was transferred as a gift from such and such person such and such person and what the the fee that was paid as part of the transaction so um, therefore it's not about the timing it's about what currently appears in the title deeds okay and it's not about whether it, whether it's retrospective or not it's just That's this right is as, as long as the property yeah and but again right. let's just if, if there are any new updates or developments that happen with respect to this we will certainly update the listeners but currently and i have a new list it clearly states that it does not apply to any properties that have been have been transferred as gift Okay, another question. No name on this one. Hi, my husband and I are planning to buy a home. So not quite there yet, but it's obviously in his name at the moment. God forbid anything happens to him. What will happen to our home and are we eligible for a visa? Then will we have to pay to get our home in our name and will we have to pay for that visa? Uh, Well, there's a number of questions in there. So let's just parse it out. Uh, number one, if uh, if the property is the name of the, uh, of the husband, then he can apply for a residence visa if he wants to use the property for the purposes of of having the residence visa, and uh, in, instead of, for example, his employment, uh, then. As a result of that particular visa, as, as I said earlier, because it is for all intents and purposes a full-fledged uh, residence visa, the husband can sponsor the, the rest of the family uh, under that uh, property. Um, however, there are some limitations in terms of the size of the property and the member of um, sponsored f- uh, family that you would um, otherwise be entitled to sponsor. And that is, for example, if you have a, a one-bedroom, bedroom, even if it is uh, more than a million dirhams, but you want to sponsor and your wife and your children, and, for example, a nanny and a driver and so on and so forth. There are limitations in terms of the size of the property and the number of sponsored staff that you can have under that property. But otherwise, you would the rest of the family, presumably, if it's a villa, you would all qualify to have that visa uh, or the, to have that property uh, visa. Now, if something happens to the husband, then the property would have to go through the, um, through the, the, basically, the basically the probate, uh, which means the disposition of your property uh, 
I guess at that point, um, late husband's estate, and that will be determined uh, depending on how, um, I guess, depending on what religion you are. So if you're if you're Muslim, it would always be determined under Sharia, irrespective of any, because you cannot, as a, as a Muslim in this country, cannot have a will uh, that deviates in any way from the Sharia. So if you're not Muslim, then it would be either as per the will, if he has a will, uh, and if he doesn't have a will, then it would be um, either under Sharia if you choose to do so, or um, as per the laws of your own country. So it could be a lot more complicated, and this is why uh, if, if you are not Muslim, then and this is an event that is of, of a sort of, of a concern to you, which I think it should be for, for many um, who own properties here, and in particular those who have families here, then it would be advisable to have a DIFC will because a DIFC will does take away that uncertainty as far as real estate assets are concerned. We'll have to come back to the DIFC will topic again. It's not been a while since we've covered that. I just want to, before we come to, I'm going to call him Jamal question, just in case he wants to be incognito in a second. That was uh, one that came in. Ian just makes a point, actually. Let's just reiterate the topic once again, Ludmilla. You came in this afternoon, just after quarter past five, with some news, something that had uh, come up in your practice. Just reiterate from the top, if you would. Sure. So it applies to the uh, the Dubai... Uh, option of having residence visa issued uh, in connection with ownership of real estate asset or property. Uh, so until recently, it was, or at least until today, the um, if the property was uh, transferred by gift or through inheritance, it would also be subject to a UAE residence visa in connection, you know, as a sort of investor visa, if you if you will, just for, for all intents and purposes. It's not technically speaking called an investor visa, but uh, for simplification purposes, it, well, let's call it an investor visa. So if the property is um, was gifted or was um, transferred by inheritance that it would also be subject to this investor visa now as of uh, as we learned today uh, those uh, that that those kinds of properties are now excluded and therefore any properties that were gifted um, or that um, were transferred as a result of a will or inher- some kind of form of inheritance are now excluded from the investor visa okay so we have Jamal's question yes do you want me to go ahead? Um, Jamal's said he's seen lots of cases of clients who started work and are getting paid, but they're not being provided with a work visa or health cover until six months later. Is there a legal um, recourse for this? And if so, what can people do? He said he's hearing that if people do complain about the situation, they get fired. Uh, it's an interesting question because uh, is there a legal recourse? Absolutely. Uh, what's the, what are the practical implications? Well, that's a different matter, and this is why I think a lot of people find themselves in this. Now, let me just cover the the legal aspects of it. Legally speaking, in the UAE, except unless you're UAE national, all other uh, expats or all, all expats are required to have a proper employment visa in order to work. Okay, and that starts from day one. So, in other words, you are not allowed uh, to work unless you have a proper residence visa and the proper residence visa that means or employment visa and that means so you cannot even work for somebody else if you're being sponsored for someone else by someone else so that's just a general rule that everybody is required is required to have uh, an employment visa to work uh, now, uh, in and I tell you, this is actually quite severely punished and penalized here by the authorities, and this is under the federal law. So this is not from state to state or from emirate to emirate. It's all sort of um, uh, consistent across the UAE uh, that if anybody is found to work without a visa, they those people who are actually working without a visa are, are subject to deportation, and uh, deportation is for life. 
which basically means once you've been deported, you will never be able to come back into the UAE. And prior to the deportation, there's a bit of also a short uh, jail sentence and some fines that need to pay the authorities, and then you're deported. Uh, so that's um, that's as far as the the person who's working without a visa, and as far as the company that is employing uh, em- those. Well, I guess I don't want to call them employees because I mean I guess they are employees mm, if they're getting paid. If they're employed, companies that are employing without a visa are, are subject to fifty thousand uh, dirhams penalty for every incident and for every employee. So any company that employs, let's say, ten employees without a visas until they um, um, they've passed their six months is is committing a crime and they would be subject to. 50,000 per violation. Um, that being said, there are a lot of companies that do it because they want to avoid the visa expenses. Uh, and uh, if you, if, if as an employee, if you raise that issue, so the practical considerations when when employees raise that issue, then they, they often get fired and this is why they don't raise the issue and the companies know that and this is why they, can, they allow for this practice to continue. But legally speaking, it's absolutely not legal and both parties face severe consequences. Okay, that's the legal hour, just under a legal hour for today. Ludmilla Yamalova has been our guest as ever from Yamalova and Plethka. Questions we haven't got to, thank you for texting in. We'll hold them over till next week, or if there is something, depending on how pressing it is, we'll have a chat with Ludmilla now. But for this week, good to see you. Thank you. Thank you. There's just so much more to hear. Download our podcasts at DubaiEye1038.com.